Yeah. Yeah, old school. That's what I'm talking about. Listen, this ain't for everybody. Some of y'all need to hear this. Huh? I know you're in the trenches fighting, but check it out. I'm going to put it down like this so I can help the saints understand. Everything you're going through is all part of the master plan. Or what? You thought because you got saved, everything was going to be peaches and cream? You better wake up, son. Don't nothing come to a sleeper but a drink. Faith without work is dead. Read your Bible. You know what it says. He who don't work, don't eat. Slackers don't get fed. Huh? Yeah. Jesus said, he who puts his hands to the plow looks back the same ain't fit. Some of y'all ain't been in the church just five minutes and you're about ready to quit. I ain't mad at you. I'm just hitting you with the real. <laughs> if you died for me and I was still tripping, now how you think that make you feel? Check this out. Deep game. This here's deep, huh? Some of y'all ain't saw nothing but you started trying to reach, huh? But after him who was able to possess your father by his glory. Struggles might be part of your testimony, but it ain't the end of the story. Now the point is this was prophesied way back in the day. Choir, sing your hook right here and see if the church can relate. Uh, 
I was about to finish my degree in engineering, and then I was forced to start my own business. Why would I say forced to? Because our family was in deep uh, financial challenge, and because of that, the, the salary that I was going to make, I was I was in India at the time, which was going to be hundred dollars, and with the hundred dollars a month, I was not going to be able to pay for the pay for even the interest that we owned Lawn Shark. So I started my business, failed miserably two times early in my age, and you know accumulated even more debt. Fast forward, uh, moved to Kuwait, started this company with Air Force, and um, became pretty successful really fast. We grew that company into a multi-million dollar company, sold that company, moved to the U.S., and here uh, I worked as a technical manager for a healthcare company, resigned that job by the age of 38, started this mission to accelerate people's business, career, and lifestyle. I'm so honored to have you on the show today because this is really what my show, Can a Player Play, is about uh, with people such as yourself that actually have accomplished so much at a very young age and with a wealth of experience that could give uh, so much knowledge to other people out there that's, uh, you know, trying to learn and trying to do what you've done. Uh, It's very impressive, sir. Thank you. Uh, and uh, as much it sounds more uh, really impressive, the reality is I was willing to allow myself to go through failure more than most of other other people would allow themselves to. Because once we allow ourselves to go through failure uh, and learn from it uh, as early as we can, and I learned early in my life, the more you fail in your 20s or your 50s or 60s, depending upon what decade you are in right now, the more you fail and learn from it, the faster you are going to win. So so the, the credit goes to the number of failures that I had to overcome, um, uh, Mr. Lamont. Question to you, Rubel. Why is it that it seems like people are more apt to, you know, if you picture a hurdle for a, a track runner, why do you feel like in life people are more apt to get stuck at that hurdle instead of trying to figure out a way to go under it, around it, or over it? They get stuck because the problems, uh, problems based on Eastern philosophy, the problems that we have in our lives a lot of times are self-created. So in some level, our subconscious wants us to stay, stay focused on that problems. And we've spent 80 to 90 percentage of our time and energy focusing on the problem itself and enlarging the problem. Because when you focus on it, it grows and grows and grows. And our mind is a prediction machine that is fixated, that is fixated into one thing. You can focus on success or your failure. And if some challenge, when we face some challenge, our mind's tendency, that's not that's not you. Our mind is conditioned to focus on failure. That's why we are stuck by failure and we focus more on it. So people actually spend more time on the problem than the solution. People people are conditioned to spend more time on the problem than solution because in evolution, 
Uh, what happened was in order for us to solve a problem, as we evolved as a human, uh, human I mean, but depending on what you believe, whether it is 10,000 years of evolution or 4 million years of evolution, as we evolved, we needed to biologically learn to focus on problems in order to physically survive in this planet. But that's not needed anymore. We are not in physical threat anymore. We could just pay attention to the problem. Okay, what do I need to learn from this and learn it and then move on next <laughs> very good learn it move on next that's great well today uh, ladies and gentlemen the title of our show is the new ABC of persuasion with mr. Rubel Chandy so so Rubel what exactly is the ABC of persuasion the classic example that I use to explain this phenomena, this new concept, is using the concept of uh, always be closing in sales. If you go to a, a regular used car, car sales uh, training company or a sales company, they would say, oh, when the customer is in front of you, always be closing, always be trying to get the result. And it is because it is, it is result-focused only. We don't care about people. We don't care about specifically what people want. We just care about the specific result. And that culture is shifting. And that is not working anymore. We need people who care. And one of my mentors had the opportunity to meet with Steve Jobs himself and asked him, hey, Steve, what's the number one thing that actually helped you succeed this big? And then he paused for a second. And he said, I care for my clients. And if it came from a regular uh, small business owner, yeah, oh, it, it sounds cool and everything, but it came from Steve Jobs. So that's when I realized it's not just small businesses, billionaires. One of the smartest guys who lived in this planet is saying, you go to care. So in order for us to persuade, the new ABC of persuasion, Mr. Lamont, is Always be caring, and through that caring, you will be able to sell, you will be able to market, and you will be able to grow your business. Wow. And that, and that plays into uh, your concept uh, of the 360-degree customer service mindset? It plays exactly into that, and it expands that even to the next level. For example, today in the U.S., we are a capitalist country where we could, we could also have a caring capitalism, a socially responsible capitalism, okay, where we are respecting people, we are loving people, we are giving time to people, not just because of money. Imagine, uh, Mr. Lamont, I own a small business. And then anybody who pays me, who's my customer, I treat them super nice, super friendly, and super forgiving and everything. I go back home, talk to my wife, talk to my children. I'm very rude. I'm very angry. I'm emotionally totally imbalanced, right? This is what happens in the world today. My children are not paying me. My wife is not paying me, or my husband, or my dad, whoever it is. They are not paying me. So the paid customers 
are getting a better treatment than our loved ones. What if we could stretch that customer experience from just the paid customers to anybody around us, our friends, our family, our wives and husbands and children? Imagine they are customers, then it will be 360-degree customers. What if we are able to treat all of them as if they are our customers? I think it would be more love on this planet. That's exactly what we are talking about. And that's what we need. I know 100% of the time it's not possible. Uh, and I'm not saying that we should do it 100% of the time. But 90% of the time, if we could treat our loved ones. Because after all, in this planet, we came here to love each other. right? So, And, and as you do that, your business is going to grow. Because you are a congruent person. You don't have two faces. At business, you have one face. When you go home, you have a different face. When you're with your friend, you have a different face. It's all one person. Mr. Lamont is one person who cares for his friends, for his family, and for his customers. Yes, yes. Very good. For those who just joined us, uh, we're talking to Mr. Rubel Chandy, the author of 90 Days to Life. If you'd like to join us, just press number one on your phone and let us know that you're there, and we'll be glad to let you join the conversation. And uh, hopefully, hopefully, we can do some wonderful things for you. Uh, uh, Rubel, what are, what, what are three steps to uh, innovate in my business? Innovation has uh, three steps that are uh, simply said, uh, three steps are perspective, integration, and implementation. And I'm going to use a simple story uh, about a company to explain all these three. Again, perspective, integration, and implementation. A guy, an engineer, he was he borrowed uh, a movie from Blockbuster, and as uh, you know, as most of us have experienced. He was delayed to delayed in returning the CD, or this DVD, you know, not even DVD. It was a cassette, and and he returned it, and he ended up paying forty dollars in fine at Blockbuster, and he was so embarrassed to tell this to his wife, and he was driving back to gym, and as he was driving back, what happened was he immediately, uh, you know, thought that, oh, in gym, I could actually pay, let's say, $30 per month, and then I could work out in an unlimited way, right? Why can't CD or cassette be like that, too? And that is perspective. And this man started thinking, it's a new perspective. Why can't we have it like that? And then, and then he started a company. He started a company where people can actually mail order as many CDs they want. Per month, they pay a small fee, and they get they can sell as many CDs. They could uh, rent as many CDs or DVDs or cassettes they want. And that company uh, turned out to be Netflix. And this engineer was Reed Hastings. So, wow. so what happened there? He had a new perspective that that he could implement in that industry. And then he integrated that into his industry. He had a new thought. Gyms do this all the time, unlimited subscription. And he in integrated that into this new industry. The third step is he didn't just sit on the idea. 
he went ahead and implemented that rather than sitting around and imagining, oh, someday maybe I will do it, but he did it. So these are the three steps to innovate in your business. Wow. That's powerful. It's powerful tools as well. So I know we got the switchboard is lit up. I know we got a lot of listeners out there, and I know they're scratching their head trying to figure out what they want to say and how they want to say it. But come on, just press number one on your phone. We'll be glad to hear from you. We promise not to bite. <laughs> so, 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 uh, Ruble, how do businesses professionals get trapped? Businesses and professionals are trapped by systems. So what happens is if we have a habit of doing something for a long time, then we keep on doing that because that's what we know, that's what we are familiar with. So same thing, if you are in a job for 20 years and then after some time you feel like, oh, this is the only thing that I know. And then everything that you see, everything that you say, and everything that you do becomes part of it. Let me give you an example. Uh, I'm an engineer myself. And when I say I'm an engineer, my identity, instead of saying I am Ruble, I'm replacing my name with this profession that I have, which is engineering, like being an engineer. So the job becomes a person. So the person becomes a job. And at that point, innovation stops. Because what happens is, oh, this is, what, this is how we have been doing all the time. Let me give you an example from Steve Jobs. Steve, after he left Apple, when he came back to Apple, the first thing that he started asking everybody was, why? Why do you do this? Why do you do that? Why do you do this? Why do you do that? And everybody was annoyed. The reason why he kept on asking was people started building habits that are not useful for the company, processes that are not useful for the company. So he had to eliminate them in order for the company to, to move forward. So the systems that we follow, the habits that we follow becomes a trap, whether it is for business or for individuals, Lamont. And and well, I guess this is a crazy question, but maybe not. Doesn't one have to uh, first identify that he is trapped, or does that require an outside person? Oftentimes, an outside person is helpful. Uh, but there are enough symbols in terms of how to identify where we are. When we are, if it's a business, when we are trapped, one, we could be trapped in terms of the profit that we are making or the loss we are having or the revenue that we are having. So there are indications to show that, for example, numerous businesses come to me uh, on, my, uh, on the, the consulting company that we have where we help them with, with accelerating their business. They come to us and say, we are stuck in this level of business. We have been doing great, but you know what? We reached this $300,000 uh, $300, or $2 million, and they are like, last five years, this is where we are. Now we know, you know what? We're stuck. We are not able to move forward. In in an individual sense, Lamont, if, if as an individual, how do you know you are stuck? Uh, when we feel like feel irritated, when we feel like we are having a middle-aged opportunity, I call it middle-aged opportunity. You know, basically it's an opportunity. <laughs> Some people call it crisis, right? right. That, right. That's when, 
that's an opportunity for us to look at life, right? And I had right. mine too. I, I had it a little bit earlier than other people, uh, but I had mine too. But the point is, when we see, when we start looking at our life and we start asking questions like, is this all about? Is this what we are going to get? This is it. This is what I came to this world for. I have this victory. I have this winning. But you know what? It doesn't feel good anymore. You feel slightly depressed or anxious or or right. too much trust. And you cannot smile anymore. That's when we know, as a human, we are stuck. And that's when we need to reevaluate life. And even reading 90 Days to Life, because this has become a you know, international bestseller, not because it became an international bestseller in Amazon, but because I have covered my 25 years of thinking uh, into this. I have spent five and a half years writing this to make it, to perfect it, to make sure that I cover everything. If if this is the only book that that you read, listener, read in your lifetime, that is that is to help you with your life, this is it. You can read it. This has everything that you need to know. And uh, this is available at Amazon and everywhere? Yep, Amazon, Barnes & Nobles, and your local bookstores. Did you, uh, is it available at print, is it audio, or is it just in a print form? It is in print. Uh, it's not available in audio yet, uh, but uh, it is available in print, ebook, and uh, 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 what is uh, Nook, the um, the Barnes and Noble, um, Barnes and Noble ebook version. I don't, I don't remember what's the name of it, but yeah, all ebook versions and print books from Amazon and Barnes and Noble and your local um, bookstores. So, what made you decide that you wanted to even do a book? So, for the last uh, close to uh, more than a decade, I have been helping people with severe anxiety, overwhelm and stress, and people who went through like really traumatic experiences in their life, women who went through uh, rape and men who went through really challenging experience in their life. And so I help them, uh, typically within one to two sessions, I help them to recover and start experiencing life at a different level. And I created a, this intervention called ESCAPE. And as I worked with these people, I realized that if I were to do this one-on-one, -on -one, uh, there is a limit to which I could help people. So I thought, why can't I compile the experiences of the people that I worked with and come up with a book where each chapter will show them a different level of a person. So I will start with a person who is suicidal, ready to give up on her own life, and then gradually move her, uh, the character herself, to a progressive level uh, so each person can relate with one chapter more than any other chapters because that's the level they are at and and write a story that inspire people in multiple dimensions one it could help people who are suicidal that you know what life is a gift you have a you have an opportunity in this life and people who are successful who want to be even more successful I will show them, you know what, there is still more to celebrate in this life. So that's why I wrote this book, so I could influence many people, uh, many more people, uh, to find their 
true gift and find their greatness in their life. Wow. Great, great stuff, Rubel, great stuff. So if you listen, the listeners have just joined us. We're talking to Rubel Chandy, the author of 90 Days of Life. Um, if you have any questions, especially all your entrepreneurs out there, press number one on your phone. We'd be glad to have you join the conversation. Um, Rubel, why is it that uh, you believe that no one can manage time? That's a beautiful question. Time is a fixed entity. When you are, when we, you and I are talking right now, uh, it's been around, I'm thinking, around half an hour now. And it feels like it was only 10 minutes, right? The reason why, at least for me, <laughs> that's what I'm feeling. Uh, and, but if you're talking to somebody who's like really monotonous and boring and uh, dull, if you spend like three minutes, it might feel like 30 minutes. So time, what's the difference of time? According to Stephen Hawking, time is emotion. So which means that we are not managing time because it's a fixed thing. But we are perceiving, understanding time based on, uh, based on who you are with or what you're doing. So you cannot manage time. The only thing that we could manage time, manage is emotion in this context. Because once you manage emotion, you are able to be more productive, but you never manage time. Wow. And people thought they had it all under control. Exactly. They think that... (laughs) Go ahead. No, no, I was just laughing at that. They think they have it under control when in actuality they don't. Exactly. Because what happens is, why do we postpone? Or why, do, why are we not able to be productive? Um, why? The reason is because we are stressed, we are overwhelmed, and we are not able to focus. We think too much about the mountain in front of us. We don't take one step. We just keep, just like you said, uh, uh, Ms. Lamont, in the beginning, they just, they just keep on thinking about the obstacle of the 70,000 things that they need to do next week. They don't do anything. They just, oh, I have very, too many things to do. Let me go watch Netflix now. <laughs> that's, that's exactly we see more and more of that every day in the United States. Boy, good gracious. Yes, sir. Um you say that there's only three functions in business. Um, what are those? Two of the functions were defined before me. Uh, Peter Drucker, who is considered to be the, the creator of management or the guru, the management guru of the 20th century, he said, there are really two things in business, which is marketing in order for us to uh, show, create interest for our potential customers about our business, uh, marketing. And then second thing is innovation, creating a product that would be interesting for customers. So those are the two things that were considered to be the two functions of business. According to him, everything else is expense. Everything else is expense. Marketing, innovation. But when I thought further about it and discussed with my mentors, One thing that I realized is that there is one more element in business called optimization. As in, there are two things that you could optimize in your business. 
you could optimize the systems to be more efficient. Uh, imagine you have a manufacturing plant and you could increase the efficiency of this plant and produce more widgets if it is a widget business you could increase the number of production number of uh, number of widgets pr produced per hour and that is one way to optimize things or you could optimize your sales or you could optimize your marketing itself or you could optimize your people as in helping them to be more productive helping them to manage their emotions when i say emotions in business it could be stress a state of mind like people if people are in a stressed environment in your business then they are not going to produce so the third thing is optimization so innovation marketing and optimization optimization are the three made functions of business everything else is an expense and you say it's a three-step uh, process to uh, uh, innovate the business yeah the three-step process that we uh, discussed about innovating in your business is even if you're existing business we discussed about perspective integration and implementation so if you are an existing business how do you gain perspective one way to gain i mean you might not be able to uh, you know if those who are listening in right now those who haven't heard the story the net uh, netflix was an accidental invention because the owner uh, the ceo of netflix had returned uh, a, ca a cassette video cassette video um, whatever it's called <laughs> vhs uh, you know several days late so he had to pay 40 dollars fine and then he immediately thought about uh, because he was going to gym he thought about the subscription model that's how it happened but right now you own a business and you are not going to be uh, you know late on something and you might not get a story like that so what do you do you ask the question five years from now how will my industry be like what's going to be different there is going to be some things different right so what is it going to be different five years from now and if there if you see a major difference in your industry start adapting to that vision that is 5 years from now that's how you integrate in your industry like what is going to happen what is going to happen next year and if if you don't get any clue looking to the future look to the past what happened in the last 10 years 15 years 25 years like what happened in my industry if i'm in uh, you know record label industry <laughs> right you know and what happened 25 years ago what happened 5 years ago so based on all this data what is going to happen 5 years from now find that out and be the leader in that new category and you would be you would be innovating big time with that Thinking forward instead of being stuck. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Well, I know we had talked about uh, managing time uh, a few moments um, uh, earlier, and, and I see mm -hmm. here um, you're saying managing time is the wrong approach altogether. But I know we said you can't manage in time, so I guess we can speak a little bit more about that. Managing time is, has become a big thing for everybody uh, these, these times, right? And nobody has time. 
nobody is able to manage time, you know, because the people are saying, I'm too busy, I'm too stressed, and things like that. So the way we could fundamentally, like we discussed, the way we could manage time is by managing emotions. So the three major things that we are missing while we talk about productivity is one is, uh, is Pareto's principle. If you are not familiar with Pareto's principle, 80% of your result will come from 20% of your actions. So a Pareto, a scientist in Italy, uh, actually economist, uh, uh, he found out a mathematical formula and observed that 20% of the people own 80% of the wealth in, in that country. Right now it is 0.003% compared to 20% in the U.S. But he observed that. So what happened was same thing is true for productivity. If you have 10 things that you need to be doing uh, in, your, in your job, in your business, there could be two things that would give you 80% of the result of what you're doing. So some of you might have heard about it. Oh, I have heard. I knew Pareto's principles, and I used that. Okay, then let me tell you the next step. The next step is find out the 20% of the 20%, imagine you have 100 things to do. So 20 of those things are really powerful things to do. Yes? You got that, Lamont? Yes. Yeah. Now, now you go back to those 20 and ask the same question. What is the 20% of these 20 things, that is four things, that are the most powerful thing to do that's going to make the significant difference? So you do those four things you would get 60 plus percent result. So basically, we're sitting there and, and prioritizing what we need to do. And for those people that are listening that are um, procrastinators, um, that won't work for you. So some changes definitely have to be made in that area. Is that correct, Rubel? And, and I have, I, I can actually give some good news for procrastinators. Uh, it is, you are actually procrastinating this 96 things when you are prioritizing. So you know what? You can procrastinate 96 out of 100 things. What a good news for you. <laughs> that is great things, news for them. <laughs> right? So the thing is, the, the, the challenge right now, Mr. Lamont, is not that they are procrastinators. The, the challenge is the new perspective that I'm bringing into this productivity world is that they are procrastinating the wrong thing. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. So you yeah. could procrastinate 96 things. That's fine. But if you are, for example, right now, it is my job for me to writing, writing this book was the most important thing for the last five years. And if I had procrastinated that and then got milk, I mean, I could make a checklist of 10, ten things, need to get milk, need to give food for my dog, and need to take him for a walk, and need to take children um, for music play. These are all important things. But the most important thing, I could find somebody else to do these things, but the most important thing was to write this book. And if I am procrastinating that, then the most important thing does not get done. So procrastinate, 
procrastinate the things that are unimportant. You, if you are good at procrastination, if you are good at procrastination, you know how to do this. But don't do the <laughs> yeah. wrong things. Make sense? Yeah, procrastinate all the right things, you know, prioritize your business. Yeah, exactly. So here is a metaphor that we use. The metaphor is uh, focus only on, if you are a business owner, focus on high-profit activities. So high-dollar value activities. And procrastinate everything else except two things. One, focus on high-dollar value activities, the, the things that would bring in money to your business. That's what you're going to focus on. That's number one. Number two is high lifetime value activities. For example, spending time with your children, spending time with your wife, your husband, your friends. Those are, if you're in business, these are the two things that you are asking. For example, when you have 200 things to do in front of you, what is the first question that you ask? What are the highest lifetime value activities Two of them, just two of them, that I could pick from this hundred or two hundred. Some of them have, some people have five hundred things that they need to be doing, and some of them don't have any list either. Then they are carrying in their head. That's why I recommend that everybody get that out of their head, into a system, into a piece of paper, into a into a journal somewhere. Get it out into a piece of paper and ask the question, what is the, more, the highest lifetime value activity in this? And then second question is, what is the highest dollar value activity in this? And then everything else, throw it away. Procrastinate. Wow. That's also some jewels right there, Rubel. Thank you. I think a lot of a lot of professionals, a lot of entrepreneurs, you know, they they forget that they get caught up in everything they have to do. Then, like you said, they get confused, they get stressed out, and um, they priorities get misplaced. Exactly, and that is exactly what happens with uh, productivity too because what happens is uh, and they feel guilty just like you said oh can i procrastinate you will have to procrastinate there's no other choice because do you, do you find time for doing everything that you want to do lamont no nope. do you find time to do I, everything I, that you want to do no i don't yeah nobody has time oh so you I, will yeah, mm -hmm. I, you know, we have to make time. I know we say we don't have time, but I think people actually make time for stuff they really, 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 really want to do. Exactly. At the same time, there are so many things that we don't really, really, really want to do that we we want to do, but we, we don't really want to do it. So there are so many things that I want to do. But the thing is, out of out of this in the future, too, as we go forward, there are so many emails that I'm getting on day-to-day -day basis. I don't get to respond to all of them. So I, I pick and choose and say, what is the most important? When I get an email, the first question that I ask is, is this really important? Okay, if it's important, it important means it has an importance for money, so it's a high-dollar value activity, or there is an importance for my life. It's one of them. If it, 
two of these things are not happening, it's not important for me. And if it's not important, it goes to trash or archive immediately. Yeah, well, that you just took us right into uh, the next question. How can someone manage emails in half the time? Emails are the to-do list for other people. Yes. If I want to send, if I want you to do something, some free work, I would send you an email and say, "Oh, uh, Mr. Lamont, I have this thing. Can you please take care of this?" And you will be like, "Oh, okay. I was looking to do something. Let me go and take care of this right now." This is what happens. Many of the emails that we are getting are people asking for asking for things that they need to be doing. So one thing that we need to do is. We need to fix the time where you are checking the email. You wake up in the morning. Uh, you wake up in the morning. The first thing that you do is check your email. And if you are waiting for this, uh, this prince from Nigeria to send you another email saying that there is 500, uh, 500 pounds of gold that you could claim by sending $500 in Western Union, that's not going to happen. It's a, it's a myth. You are not going to get that 500 pounds. You understand what I'm talking about? Right. We used to get get this Nigerian prince sending this email. We get lots. We get lots of them. We get lots of them. That's not going to happen. So, in other words, we are checking emails as if we are in a prison, and the next message is going to save us from prison. Oh, the next message? That's going to be it. So stop checking emails early morning. Let everybody in your circle, if you're a business owner. Everybody in your circle, let them know that if you are, a, if they are a customer of yours, or if you, if they are your boss, it can be done by professionals too. So when I was when I used to work for a company, everybody who reported to me and my boss, they all knew that I don't check my emails till 1 p.m. So if they needed something, there is my cell phone number. You could text me anytime, and I would check my text every one hour, right? So. I have something called flow time, and you would particularly appreciate this. Flow time is where you are creating, because that's what is missing in this world. We are creating without paying attention to anything. Every notification is turned off. The phone is in silent. The the browsers are on silent, as in you don't get any notifications. You just focus on one thing and only one thing, and you enjoy the ecstasy of that creation. And you are focused only on that thing. And if people interrupt you, you ask them, can you wait for 30 more minutes because I am in between creating. Because you're creating something, whether it is music or your regular job or your regular business, Whatever it is, create that time called flow time, where time is flowing, and you forget about the existence of time, and you are completely immersed into it. And right after that, I would check my text and say, what happened? Right? I mean, even kids from kids' school, they would, they would wait for half an hour. You know, there were situations in my kids' school. They would be like, oh, we tried to call you, Mr. Uh, Mr. Rubel, what happened? And I say, oh, I was, I was in, a, in a creation mode. I didn't check my thing. Okay, that's fine. You can come and pick your kid up now. That's okay. Nothing is going to happen if you put your phone, your Facebook, your Twitter, your Skype, and everything, every alert on silent. 
for me, somebody who has more than 50,000 followers on Facebook and other social medias, I don't check my Facebook like, like every five minutes like a 13-year-old. Because if I do, that's the only thing that I could do in my life. So all right. my Facebook alerts, you could go to settings on Facebook, turn off all your alerts and say, I don't want any of this alert. If I need to look into it, I would go and check it myself. Now, that's a powerful jewel, too, uh, because that's taking back control of the time that, that you have, because we all only have 24 hours in a day. We don't have any more than that. We can't give everything and everybody 23 hours of that day and only have one hour for ourselves. So uh, what I'm hearing is you definitely have to take uh, utilize that flow time to focus on whatever it is to actually realize or accomplish uh, whatever your mission is. Exactly. And that's what is missing. I, I don't know whether you noticed in this era, uh, like you go to a workplace, what are people doing? They're always on their phone. Um, I don't, uh, yeah. you know, when I when I go to a workplace, typically they don't keep their phone because I might be going to train them or something. But they are always checking Facebook and alerts and other things. How many, if in eight hours, how many hours do you think people are producing per day? Even if they work from nine to five, I would say three to four hours maximum these days. That three to four hours would be a very highly productive person. And that's why I would say that nine to 12, you know, when I used to work as an employee, so if you're a professional, and if you're a business person, same thing. Plan your 9 a.m. to 1 p.m. if possible, or 9 a.m. to 12 p.m. Those three hours make it two flow times. So which means nine, or start at 8.30, so 8.30 to, let's say, um, 10. So that's a 90 minutes. This 90 minutes, if you could, focus on only one thing that gives you money, high dollar value activities that gives you money, right? And 8.30 to 10, that's done, right? 10 to 10.30, take a break, check your Facebook, Instagram, whatever, walk around, talk to people, you know, check your, check your other stuff, text, respond to those things, and start another flow time at 10.30 to 12. And, and then rest of the day, don't do anything. You would be more productive than you are today if you just add these two flow times into your life, just by adding these three hours of completely uninterrupted flow times in your business or your career. I love that. I love that. I love that. I Thank love you. that, Ruble. Thank you. And that's exactly how I wrote this book. People Go ahead. sit around wasting so much time. And as a business owner, I think one thing that used to irk me more than irkiness is to have my assistant, a secretary, sitting there playing on the phone, answering stuff, responding to stuff. And I'm looking at, like, am I paying you to do you or am I paying you to do what you're supposed to be doing here for me? Mm-hmm. Exactly. Wow. Exactly. If I may add one more one more detail into this. Um, Absolutely. If, uh, okay. So this is the business flow time, right? So high profit activities. Yes. 
same way uh, when you go home. Plan one hour family flow time or personal flow time or romantic flow time. 16% of Americans take phone calls while making love. That is a statistics that I recently, I mean, not too recently, but read 16% of, um, of Americans take phone call while making love. Honey, hold on. Let me take this call. Okay. Hold your position. So, <laughs> Wait a second. Hold on or hold it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But I cannot hold more than that. Anyway, so that that was the maximum I could hold. But the, but the point is that even even this this social media and other stuff are getting into our bedrooms. That's why we need romantic flow times. We need family flow times. We need kids' flow times. Where you are, you turned off the freaking phone and turn it off. You don't have, uh, you're not checking any alerts and anything. And my wife would be a great example for this. Like five years ago, you know, in front of my, uh, I, I'm not asking you to be this extreme either, okay? This is just an extreme example to show you that how some people are doing this. So my daughter was, I don't know, six years old at, at the time. And then, you know, my wife was in front of my daughter and she was checking Facebook. And my daughter said, you know what, uh, so why are you not talking to me? Is Facebook more important to, to you than me? And you know what she did? She immediately deleted Facebook app and she didn't check. She doesn't use Facebook after that. She's like, you know what, I want to give, my daughter asked me, you know, do you choose me or Facebook? And I choose my daughter, you know, so so she doesn't need to be socializing with people according to her. She would rather spend that time because she's so busy. So that's the only time that she has and she's going to spend with my daughter. And what is your priority? And I'm this is uh, this might be extreme for you, but the point is, but it's not too extreme to to give importance to your daughter compared to Facebook. So the thing is, the turn off all the alerts because that is addictive, and then that is t totally taking away the the time that you need to be spending on the most important things. And because of that, your emotions. Going back to the original point, what is the difference when you see something on Facebook? You lighten up. Oh, I put my post, my picture of my laundry basket. I have seen people actually do this on Facebook. I put my. I mean, I'm going to do laundry and put the laundry basket picture on Facebook, and then, oh, th 13 people like my laundry basket and all my dirty clothes. That's fascinating. Thank you so much. I feel loved already. Versus if you're able to find true meaning in human connections, and if you're able to turn off all your notifications, if you still want to put your laundry basket on Facebook, fine. But see the alerts sometime late in the afternoon when you're tired. Afternoon, you know, spend time on all the low, low dollar and low lifetime value activities in the afternoon. And at night, when you go back home, make sure that you have family flow time where you spend, whether it is meditation or prayer or family, connecting with your creator, if you believe in a creator. Uh, if you don't believe in a creator, what's wrong with you? I'm just kidding. Uh, I'm kidding. <laughs> but, just, just saying. <laughs> just saying. Yeah. Well, so... Go ahead. No, I said you've seen how I started off the show, so you know. <laughs> I believe. 
<laughs> that's beautiful. No, I know I was joking anyways. But I respect uh, people who believe and who don't believe based on whatever it is. I, I respect all of us. But the point is, we need meditation time. We need prayer time. We need we need flow time with our family. That is my invitation. And if you just listen to just that, by the way, I lay out all these three things in three chapters in 90 days to life, exactly how to be productive, exactly how to do this, the step-by-step ways to manage email in half the time by doing these same prioritization in an automated way. That is exactly how I was able to produce uh, everything that I need to do in 40 hours, in 15 hours while I was working. And my entire company was okay with me working only three, two and a half days a week and that rest of the time I took for writing this book. And my, uh, this is exactly how I did it. I was, I was in a high six-figure job, and I went to my CEO and I said, I have only 20 hours of work per week. And he said, that's fine. I'm good with that because you're getting more things done than most of my other employees in 20 hours. And he was good with that. The reason why I was able to write 90 Days to Life and the reason why I wrote 90 Days to Life was one other reason was to teach how to be productive in half the time by doing the things that we discussed today. How does it sound to you? That sounds fantastic to me because I see and know for a fact that it's a lot of people in this country that waste so much time spinning around, scratching their head, and doing absolutely nothing. And and then the next day they try to figure out why things aren't moving or why anything isn't changing. Exactly. And what they just need is training. Training uh, that could come from this book or training that could come from any other book that could teach them how to be productive, not by managing time, but by managing emotions, by getting rid of all the interruptions in their lives. Uh, I love I love the fact that, that you said procrastinate on the right things. Exactly, exactly. I can actually add one more interesting thing uh, into this equation, which would which you would really love, which is uh, procrastinate the right things because we all need to procrastinate. So accept the fact that we all need to procrastinate. So procrastinate the things that you don't need to be doing. The third thing is something called distractions. So I I, I separated distractions into dis tra dist. Tra, this T-I-S-T-I-R-A-X-A-C-T-I-O-N-S, this actions. So most of the time in our life, in our business, in our career, you know what we are doing? We are doing distractions most of the time. The things that are not very important, not very urgent, but that is right in front of us. Just do it and move on. That's what we are doing. Schedule your distractions. In, for the afternoon. So if your mind knows that you would take care of this distraction, distraction in the afternoon, it will wait. So if some distraction is coming to you uh, and something that has to be done and it's not high dollar or high value, don't do it in the morning. Schedule a time. 3 p.m. to 4 p.m. is my distraction time. You can distract me all you want. You can come to me if you are my assistant, if you are my friend, or if you could call me, you could talk to me. It doesn't matter. I will have time for you always, three to four. This is the time that I'm <laughs> allowing myself to be, you know, to be free. 
Distraction yeah. time. Distract me between three and four. Yeah. <laughs> I want it. I love it. Here, here, here's your time to distract me, but not before. Yeah. Please so, do that. So, so Ruble, so, what's what's next? What what, do you, what what's next for you? Next for me is uh, this uh, 90 Days Life became uh, number one bestseller in five categories in Canada, and uh, one category in Australia and two categories in India. And I, I always joke about this. When I started writing this book, I said, if six people, number six people read this book, then I'll be happy. So I had the count figured out already. I said, one, my, I would force my wife to read it, uh, you know, if, for the most part. Uh, and then I have two children. I'll ask them to read it. That's three. I'll ask my assistant to read it. That's four. And then I'll force two of my friends to read it. That's six. <laughs> so that's how I started this project. But now it has gone to a completely different level in different countries. People are actually writing to me about how it has influenced them. You know, so many aspects, because I wrote it as a comprehensive guide to life and business. Uh, and one of, my, uh, one of my friends who is, a, uh, who is a New York Times and USA Today bestselling author said, this is the iPhone of self-help. What a humbling experience w- was that to hear that because this covers a lot of things that, that was missing in business, spirituality, and life. So my next level is, is for, us, for us to inspire, to start a movement, to inspire us to be, us to be together, whether we are extreme left or extreme right or extreme friend or extreme back, doesn't matter. What matters is we are one human family. And because one, we are one human family, I want to inspire, inspire a movement uh, which has already started. I inspire that movement to move forward where we would see each other beyond color and beyond culture and beyond beliefs and beyond values and countries where we could all love each other in a different level in the absence of psychological fear and be joyful and excited and create the new world for our children and our grandchildren. That's my vision for the future. And we will get there regardless, I know that, but our job, you and I, will create that faster for our grandchildren. Exactly, and that's exactly what we're doing today. And uh, you definitely got some new fans here, and I definitely want to get a copy of the book for... Uh, my staff, because it's a lot of very, very important things in there that uh, we can utilize and move forward with the things that we're doing. Uh, Ruben, we're down like to the last minute and a half of the show, but uh, I'd like you to definitely tell people where they can get your book and how they can contact you. Uh, uh, totally. Uh, they can get the book uh, in multiple places. They could get it on Amazon. would be the easiest place to go, the printed book. And if you use a Kindle, you could get it on uh, uh, same Amazon.com. Search for 90 Days to Life. It is a story of a person from turmoil to triumph. And even if you are, have the perfect life, but if you are not feeling, you could, if you feel like you could do more, 
this book is for you. If you're going through a really challenging experience, this book is definitely for you. In addition to that, we have a contest on my website, rubulchandy.com slash contest. So after you buy the book, come back to my website, come to rubulchandy.com slash contest, enter your book receipt, your name and email to win a seven-night Western Caribbean cruise with Royal Caribbean for two. Uh, and you will get 21 days of uh, 90 days to life complimentary training uh, as part of uh, pa- part of entering this contest as well. So go to rubelcharity.com slash contest after you purchase 90 days to life, uh, 90 days to life. And most importantly, share this, share your story with me. You could reach out to me at help at rubelcharity.com. That's help at rubelcharity.com, and I want to hear your story, how this has changed your life, and how you're building this world to be a better place for our children and our grandchildren. Fantastic, and thank you again, Rubel, for taking time out to come join us, man. We definitely enjoyed you immensely, and uh, we'll definitely be following you, and hopefully you'll come back again. Thank you. I will. Thank you, Ms. Lamont. This has been a great experience. Thank you for all the great questions. All right. All right. Thank you, sir. Sure, thanks.